Welcome to the Renegade Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, John Maffey, Marty Linder, and Matt Black. You can find us on Twitter at FFRenegades and visit our website at FantasyFootballRenegades.com. All right, welcome everybody to our fourth Fantasy Football Renegades podcast. We're very excited to be here with you today. We're going to be discussing roster construction and how you cut down players on your roster. I'm Marty Lindner. I'll be joined today by John Maffey and Matt Black. And here we go. So guys, what do you think about as we approach the time to cut down rosters is how do you decide who to keep on your roster and how do you decide how many people to keep at different positions? Uh, Okay, so in Dynasty, for the most part, I try not to worry about positional differences all that much at all. I, I really just want the best players that I have on my roster to stay on my roster. If I have too many running backs, then I'll fix it later. If I have too many wide receivers, I'll fix it later. I just want the valuable players that are going to be parts of my team for years and years to come. Because I'm I'm stuck with them till I get rid of them. So I want to I try and hold on to my best players and move them when their value is a little higher to try and round out my roster whenever I need to. I don't really try to keep X number of running backs, X number of whatever. Honestly, even if I only have two okay starting receivers and five RB1s, or even five like okay running backs, I'm still going to keep the higher number of running backs to try and move them later in some sort of something because cutting any of your more valuable players is just going to hurt you. Dynasty is all about building value everywhere you can to where your team just has, you know, everything you can at every position. Do you draft or free agency waiver wire pickup in a fashion where you look at a position and go, okay, I have a weakness here. I'm going to allocate my resources or I'm going to to make moves to strengthen that position particularly. Like I know I definitely go into the draft and I'm looking at wide receiver and going, okay, I feel weak at wide receiver. I'm probably going to be wide receiver heavy at this draft. That may cause me to miss out on players at other positions that I feel like might be pretty good, but I Mm -hmm. feel like my resources need to be allocated for me to develop a different position. Do you ignore that concept and just draft the best player that comes to you at every time? I, I absolutely try to, especially in the draft. In the draft, I really think you just need to be going best player available. It might not fit your roster as well. It might not help your starting lineup as well right now. But at some point in the future, it's going to help you more to have the better player versus the one that's going to fit your roster better right now. In waiver wire, it's a little bit different. Like I'll, I'll use waiver wire to, to fill in bye weeks, to grab players to use for a week or two, something like that. But in the draft, I absolutely try to go best player available, and I honestly think it's a mistake to not. I I actually do. I think it's a mistake to choose one guy over the other because he's this position. Now, if you have them graded out exactly equally, like I think these players are exactly equal, this running back, this receiver, and you need a little bit more receiver depth than running back help right now, then yeah, edge it out to the receiver, of course. But in general, I really think you just want the best players on your roster. Because if you're passing up on a Kareem Hunt for a Josh Doxson because you need receivers right now, you're you're doing it wrong. Yeah, but the only exception to that is 
the situation that I've faced this year, which was I only had one quarterback. And so yeah. I needed to draft a quarterback with my first round pick. And there were other players that I would have rather have chosen. For example, maybe Nikhil Harry. But I had to pick up a quarterback and I was forced to do it because of my roster situation. I agree with you on the other ones. When you've got extra players, you've got enough to start. In our league, we've got one quarterback, one running back, three receivers, one tight end, one flex, kicker, and defense. So based on what you have to start with, I've got to have somebody to fill my bye week. I can't go a week without a quarterback unless I feel like it's going to just destroy my team. Like in this case, I went with Dwayne Haskins, and I felt like he's probably going to start by the time my bye week starts. If he doesn't start, I'm willing to go without a quarterback for that week, and that's just the way it is. But I'm hoping that he's going to start. So I agree with you in general on everything else, but I think in some situations you are forced to pick up a player, especially in the onesies, uh, quarterback and tight end. So if you don't have enough players for your bye weeks on the onesies, then I think you you need to pick up those players. Less so for tight ends, since it's not quite as important for a tight end. You can go without a tight end for a week, and you don't get those two points, you don't get the four points, whatever it happens to be. But on a quarterback, I think you really need to do it. For me personally, I was happy with all of my positions going into the draft. I felt like I needed some more tight ends, so I picked up three uh, in the final rounds, and I'm hoping that uh, I can figure out which ones I'm going to keep and which ones I'm going to drop. Right now I'm thinking I'm going to keep them all, but I could change my mind. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I think that's a mistake. I really the do. T- the it, tight ends are the quarterback. The quarterback, uh, like, if you thought there were players out there better than Dwayne Haskins, I think you should have taken them. But there weren't, though. I mean... Okay, I mean, if you have the players graded out equally, then that's all the same. But, honestly, like, I really think you just need to go best player available. Even if you don't have a starting quarterback, like, at all, I would still say go best player available and try to fix it later. Losing games now is, is less important to me than trying to build the value of my team in the long term. I agree with Matt to a point because I went through that situation where Aaron Rodgers got injured. I was down to no quarterbacks and I didn't have a quarterback to start every week. And I could have moved, made a move to try to get a quarterback and make a trade, but I didn't want to trade away any potential future for my team for one season. I'd rather have taken the losses. You know, I think I won. I think I got a quarterback off the waiver wire and won a game or two here or there. And I ended up feeling fourth and I had a nice draft that next season, but I was willing to take, I would, did not want to make a move that affected my team in the future for one season. Now I've won our league and I probably gives me a little more flexibility on that front to be comfortable doing something like that. But, but I do agree with John in this situation is his quarterbacks were really, he had one young quarterback and the rest of his quarterbacks were all old and had no future starters in sight. So for his roster, he did need a quarterback, regardless of whether missing one waiver week or not. He needed a quarterback just to start filling his roster back out with having a good quarterback. And if you'd have had a really good season, if you have a really good season and you have a late round pick in the first round, you may not even get to find another good quarterback. So you took advantage of the draft position to get a quarterback for the future, which I think is the idea of Dynasty. And I think I was in the perfect draft position, too. For example, if I had had the first pick, I'm not so sure I would have gone quarterback. And it would also depend on the the draft. In this particular draft, I might have still gone quarterback or I might have tried to trade down. But I think that for me at the seventh spot, 
I was in a position to get one of the three. And of course, we talked about it in the last podcast, mm -hmm. how I traded up to get Haskins rather than Jones. But I think that in my position, the other players that were available, Nikhil Harry would have been nice, but I'm pretty happy with my wide receiver core. I have a lot of young guys that I'm hoping that are going to develop. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it certainly wasn't going to be hurting my team to go after quarterback. And I do understand what you're saying, Matt, is you know you want to take the best players. In my position, I felt like I made the best decision for my team with with all of those aspects taken into consideration. I understand. I think I'm not as active as traders, Matt. And that that's why I tend to draft to fill out my roster versus just drafting the best player. Because if I feel like I don't have any use for that player or a spot or a location on my roster, then I'm like, well, I'm drafting someone I may never actually start. And so I don't think about the trading aspect like Matt probably does where he's got his roster full of guys and he's willing to make a bunch of moves. I'm a little more, you know, I guess I don't know the word I want to use on that one. I'm, I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say patient. I don't think I'm more patient than you. You just have a different strategy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more status. I don't want to say patient. I don't think patience is the word for it because I don't think what your plan is makes you less patient. I think it just makes you a di different strategy. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. I think there's risk also uh, with with Matt's strategy because yeah, what could end up happening is, yeah, you could get a player that has value, but you still have to turn that player around into what you want. And other owners in the league are going to look at your team and go, now, wait a second, you know, you picked up a running back when you've only got one quarterback on your roster. I'm not going to give you the value for that that running back that you think you should get. Yeah, yeah I, I think in the long term, you end up building enough value that, or or you can end up building enough value that you can end up overpaying for other positions. Yeah, yeah. Trading is tricky. You can overpay and underpay. You can mm -hmm. get in a situation where you feel like you need to make a move that that gets you over a barrel and, and puts you in a bad position. And or you just you you do some bad analysis on a player and you end up, you know, but but you can do that in the draft, too. And you end up then two years later going, God, I wish I had made that move. Mm -hmm. Oh, and another thing, another thing I will say about all this, just just talking about general strategy and team building and when and how to allocate players. I think it's important too to keep a little bit of uh, self-awareness about you. And when you're looking at your team, understanding what your team is and how it, it compares to the rest of the league, because understanding whether you actually have a shot to win now or if it might be better to give your players a year or two to wait, I think that's, that's a really important part of Dynasty is understanding where you are and what you're doing and how that should be influencing your actions. Because I'm going to be more willing to overpay for a quarterback that's missing on my roster if I think the rest of my roster together is is going to be putting a run at a championship. I agree, because that's really the position I'm in. Now, my team may not be on paper the strongest in the league, but I think I've got a good shot at winning the league this year. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that, and again, I'm not You're making sure. You're not giving sure. up a game for not having a quarterback, which makes sense. Right, right. And I still might give up a game because as we know, these picks don't guarantee anything. And we don't know if Haskins is going to start in the seventh week, which is when my bye week is. Mm -hmm. I may still end up giving a, a quarterback spot for that game. So it's a risk, of course. 
I did feel like I've got a shot at winning this year and it's maybe a little bit of an outside shot, but I did feel like I was in a position where I was going to be competitive and competitive enough to win. I mean, you could be in a situation where on that week, if, if you don't have a starter, but the, the rest of your roster goes off and you win anyway. It's possible. The other person has an extreme down week. And, and so yeah. there's a, and you have a solid enough running back roster. You have Barkley. You have a solid enough running back, wide receiver situation, tight Barkley end. Barkley on his you, own. He <laughs> could have a 30. A solid if, enough running back he literally could have a 25. He could have a two touchdown. <laughs> you know, if he had a two or three touchdown game, which is mm-hmm. possible. And then all of a sudden, John puts up 25 to 30 points with one player, or 20 points. That's a huge number in our league to start off with one player. And he's feeling around that if he puts up 45 points, that puts him right in wing contention without making a move to get a guy for a one-week period that could affect your team going forward. Yeah, and Um, quarterbacks are so scarce in our league as well. With a 14-team league, the quarterbacks are so scarce. You're not picking up anybody off the waiver wire. And Nothing. with the way touchdowns are weighted for us, too, it's roughly the equivalent of, like, seven, eight-point passing touchdowns in what would have been in what would be standard scoring. The separation between the higher-tier and the lower-tier running backs is, or uh, quarterbacks is a lot more noticeable than it is in standard scoring. Our, our scoring definitely is different. Than, it doesn't weight the yardage as much. Mm-hmm. And so the, court, the, t- the touchdown becomes much, much more higher-valued. Which means but, your your thirty five forty touchdown quarterbacks are a lot more important than your twenty five, uh, as opposed to how it often is in standard one quarterback leagues. Yeah, I mean we mod- we do score down our our quarterback a little bit in the yardage and touchdowns from you know six points for rushing to a, and pass receiving to four points for passing, but that's pretty <laughs> standard. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know one point for fifty yards versus one point for. Was it twelve in our uh, um, 20, 20, twenty? Twenty. Twenty. Sorry. In standard scoring. Yeah. Yeah, and well, usually in standard scoring. Well, yeah, it, or and it's one for ten rushing and receiving. Mm-hmm. We do one for twenty yeah. rushing and receiving. So yeah, our yardage definitely isn't as highly valued, mm-hmm. but I wait, mean, wait, it, which it, makes it, the the quarterback discrepancy higher than in a normal scoring system. Yeah, I mean, you don't get the abnormal. I I sometimes view running back scoring and sometimes receiver scoring is abnormal to their their game impact when i watch games you know when you draft a guy and he has a nice game and then hit but his you know his yard his point total in fantasy football is very it's too big he's a guy who's a hundred yard game and a touchdown mm-hmm. and he's outscoring the quarterback who had a 350 yard game and three touchdowns yeah, and yeah. you're just like this doesn't make any sense but that happens yeah. an awful lot and i just looked at the stats from last year and 12 of the top 14 scoring players in our league were quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's a quarterback-dominated NFL. I mean, that's a representation of how the NFL works right now. So even though we've devalued them to some extent, they're still valuable. Yeah. That's the nature of the game right now. If if all of a sudden people start running for 250 yards a game or 200 yards a game, you know, that you get more running in the NFL and the quarterbacks start throwing for 225, that would change in our league, but you know, that's, that's the NFL looks like that. And our league looks like that. So it, it does, I think, assist us in drafting in a roster setup to know how quarterbacks operate in the NFL and how they mm-hmm. operate in our league. Which is, which is important to think of for any league. Yeah. To know your, your scoring and how that affects the value for different players. Yeah. 
And value it, discrepancy, too. Because at the end of the day, it's all about having a better starter than your opponent at any, any given week. Yeah, you definitely want to have a better roster than your opponent if you can help it as much mm-hmm. as possible. <laughs> that, that, that tends to make a difference. <laughs> that, is, uh, that, is, that is, in fact, the goal of fantasy football. <laughs> See, I, I, speaking of, and you guys said, both of you said something about winning a title. And I've always approached the league as I want to build a solid enough roster. And this... This is, I think, has helped me win the league last year. Is um, that I have a good enough roster to make the playoff every season, mm-hmm. and if I happen to my team gets good or it's solid enough that I'm putting up, I've always viewed it this way. I'd rather have a team that averages 50 points a game in our league scoring because I'm going to win a lot of games just scoring that every week, just being really consistent. I'm not going to worry about trying to get a team that scores 70 or 80 points. I mean, it'd be nice. But I want to make sure I have a really solid team so I'm consistently in the playoffs, in the mix, and give myself an opportunity to get my team to get hot at the right time or whatever and win a title. Yeah. Consistency is really important in fantasy football in general. Your guys that will light it up every three weeks can end up, even if they get more points by the end of the year, they can actually be less valuable to your guys that are just consistent than your guys that are just consistently getting you points every week because. There's there's so much variation that you just want to be above a median level to get a winning roster to make it to the playoffs and have a shot at a championship. Because really, once you get to the playoffs, it's a crapshoot anyway. That that yeah, was my Michael, uh-huh. Michael Thomas complaint last year, or as a player. He's really yeah. nice. He's a 180-yard game, and he has a 50-yard game. Mm-hmm. So, same thing yeah. with Tyreek Hill. Yes. He gets a lot of that. And that's that's why they're less valuable in general than like your Devontae Adams's or... DeAndre Hopkins, despite getting as many or more points than them at the end of the year when it's all said and done. Yeah, but those points are all over the place. And you have a week where your team scores a really high amount, and then a week where your team scores a really low amount, and you're all over the place, and you're losing games you think you should win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, Marty, you su- succeeded in scoring 51.6 points per game last year, whereas two other teams scored 62.7, 62.4 but they had higher maximums, whereas your maximum was 84. The other hires were 95 and 103. And if you look at their scoring, they're kind of all over. My, my scoring, for the most part, is generally between 45 and 55 every single week. And so my roster is very consistent. I try to get guys who are going to be consistently used. And I have a really solid – my floor is really high. But my ceiling might not be as high as some other people's. I might, you know, but I can still. My team can go off. It's just my ceiling is not maybe as high, but my my floor is a lot higher. It's not as low, which I think ultimately makes a team better. And that's why, like I was saying, if you have a really consistent team and you're competitive every year and making the playoffs, barring having a nat, you know, both of you guys have had the natural disaster of injuries going on in your team that have been, especially Matt's, been decimated. If you're competitive every, yeah, you're competitive every year, though. You can get in there and win a title. That's I think that's the important part is just give yourself that opportunity and build a team that's, you know. And if you feel the need to make a move to get a guy that you think is going to put you over the top, do it. But I, I kind of like to stay pat and just keep my team really solid. I don't want to trade off the future for the present. Well, okay. I think that was a really good discussion about roster and whether you keep players or if we keep a certain amount or a certain number. Are we ready to start talking about who we're particularly going to cut? Yep, I've got my list right here, so why don't I start out? Well, Okay, first off, you have 31 players on your roster right now, and you have to get down to 24. So you have seven cuts to make. 
Right. And each team is slightly different in that respect, as we uh, talked about in our previous podcast. But mm-hmm. I do have seven that I have to cut. So right now, my cuts are Joshua Dobbs, Deshaun Kaiser, Colt McCoy, Theo Riddick, Chris Conley, Damian Ratley, and Cameron Brait. What's the thinking so, behind those? So for my quarterbacks, I have Joshua Dobbs, Dwayne Haskins, Deshaun Kaiser, Alex Smith, and Mitchell Trubisky, Colt McCoy. So Joshua Dobbs, I've given up on him. I felt like he might be somebody at some point, but I can see he's not going to be, so he's he's out. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, pretty much the same situation. I felt like he could be somebody, but it does not appear that he's going to be. He's, I don't know if Cleveland killed him or if he just never had the confidence, but he makes too many mistakes. Cleveland I'm still a quarterback? I'm, I'm still holding happened. on to I'm still holding on to Alex Smith. I may change my mind by cut day depending on what I decide, but I still hope that he's going to make a return to the NFL mm-hmm. and I, I'm willing to keep him on my bench for another year. And then Mitchell Trubisky is is my solid starter that I'm hoping doesn't have an injury this year. If he does, then I'm probably not going to do very well. Colt McCoy, I picked up last year when Alex Smith went down. And then, of course, Colt McCoy got a broken leg right after that. So The I, same injury. The yeah. same injury almost. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Case Keenum looks like the starter. I'm hoping Haskins can be the starter by week seven. So that's my thinking on my, my quarterbacks. My running backs is a little bit easier because I've got Saquon Barkley, Le'Veon Bell, Theo Riddick, Jalen Samuels. So I only have four running backs. So when I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, okay, Theo Riddick, he's, he's okay, but he's been dropping off. He's 28. And I like Jalen Samuels a lot. I think he has a lot of potential. He's only 23. And then of course, I'm not going to cut Barkley or Bell. For my receivers, I've got uh, Antonio Callaway, DJ Chark, Chris Conley, Kiki Kuti, Corey Davis, Christian Kirk, Devontae Parker, Damian Ratley, Paul Richardson, Allen Robinson, Equinemius St. Brown, and Justin Watson. So looking at those guys, I'm torn between Conley and someone else. Right now I like Chark. I'm hoping he's going to be somebody. Conley I've always liked, but he just hasn't done it yet. So I'm, I'm, that's where I'm a little bit torn. And for Damian Ratley, it's a, a no-brainer. I don't think he has the talent. And... I'm, I really want to hold on to everybody else. So it's really, am I cutting Connolly, or am I going to cut DJ Chark? Am I going to cut maybe Antonio Callaway? I, I mean, I like Callaway. I like Chark. Connolly's the older guy, 26.7. Callaway's 22.5. Chark is 22.8. I'm just going to have to see how I feel when it comes to the cut date. The only other guy I might consider is Paul Richardson, but I still think he's wide receiver one or wide receiver two at Washington. So my my wide receivers, I don't really have top-end wide receiver ones. I need those kind of solid wide receiver twos. Equinemius St. Brown, I might have to cut. I think he may go on injured reserve this year, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and teams teams could cut. I mean, there's so much stuff that the teams are going to do before their final cut down that it's going to be Yeah, impactful. but I don't... I don't think any of these guys, I mean, Damian Ratliff could get cut, but I don't think any of these other guys are going to get cut. And then as far as my tight ends go, Matt, you had asked me about Cameron Brait earlier. Mm-hmm. I just feel like 
Brait is on his way out. OJ Howard is on the way up. Brait sure. has been hanging in there. He's been somewhat serviceable. Last year, not so much. He had a couple games where he, he had some touchdowns, but he's very touchdown dependent. Uh, he's 28.1. He's not incredibly athletic. I like him because he's smart. He went to Harvard. But this draft, I wanted to pick up three tight ends and kind of see who I was going to hold on to. So in order to keep all three of those tight ends, I've got to cut Cameron Brait. Now, it may turn out that I decide to only keep two of the three tight ends that I drafted. And if that's the case, then I'll keep Brait. But at this point, I'm targeting keeping all three because it's really hard to know how those players are going to be just from preseason. And, of course, our cuts happen before the game starts. So that's that's my thinking there. Do you feel like, and this is an odd, okay, do you feel like if you were to, I'm, I'm looking at like uh, Elise Mack right. in New Orleans, seventh round pick, like would he be on waiver wires later as long as you're watching him to see if he might pop up? So where he you might keep, keep break, put him on, you know, cut him and then watch and maybe try to jump in the week before he goes off or if he's, you're starting to see his usage go up, you know, track in the tracking data that he's getting more snaps. He might be, and he's the one that I would swap out of the two. I think Josh Oliver is going to be really good. I think Foster Moreau's got a chance at being good as well. Elise Mack was more of a flyer. I like his landing position, and I liked his uh, metrics. So I think if cut day comes, and I still haven't seen anything really from Elise Mack over the preseason, so it is possible that I decide to cut yeah, he Elise could end up- Mack. On cut, a practice cut, squad. Yeah, he could. He could. Cut Elise Mack and keep Cameron Brait. But for right now, I've got Brait marked as a drop. Well, that all makes sense. I mean, that's a – yeah, you want it, You have a lot of wide receivers that you want to uh, give an opportunity to develop to get your team better. And you're yep. a little thin at wide running back. But, yeah, Theo Riddick is definitely not in the mix, and he's not giving you enough points to justify taking up a roster spot. And you can go with one uh, running back. So as long as you got one healthy, you're good to go. Yep. All right. That's all right. So, Matt, what are you, uh, what are you looking at on your roster this year? Uh, my cuts are pretty easy. I'm still a year removed from completely overhauling my team. So I just have a bunch of flack on my roster. But I was picking up guys who might have a chance, who might do something. I, I have enough players on my roster that doing all of my cuts – the best player I'm cutting is probably Isaiah McKenzie, the wide receiver four or five at the Bills. So your draft position was this year, were you the third? Third, yeah. Third, yeah, third so, worst team. So you went out, you, you, you got to pick up, so in our league, every after you're eliminated during the playoffs, you can pick up a waiver position without having to drop a player, so you can bulk up your roster. So you're now up to 33, mm-hmm. so you have nine cuts to make. So that gives you a lot of choices, so that's nice. Yeah. I just I just have enough terrible players on my team that it's gonna be pretty easy to make my cuts. You're just gonna cut free agents. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna cut like four. I got like four free agent running backs, a bunch more running backs that are now third or fourth string on their depth chart, uh, a, a, a couple right wide receivers that I I got as a flyer. Maybe they have a good camp, do something well, but then the teams brought in players above them. So yeah, I, okay. I got easy cuts. As an aside question that's part of this cuts and your running back number you just mentioned, so this is a little bit outside of just your cuts, but you do keep a lot of running backs, and several people in our league do. Have you 
found that chasing running backs and just picking up a bunch of them have have any of them developed? Has it been beneficial for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I got Matt Breed off the waiver wire. Okay. I got Mike Davis off the waiver wire. They have some value. Kenyon Drake, I recently traded for, but before that, he was gotten off the waiver wire. Okay. Wendell Smallwood, I got off the waiver wire, and he actually won me some games last year. I I honestly think the reason I end up getting a lot of running backs on the waiver wire is because I feel like I'm better at evaluating running back talent than any other position. So when I see a guy have what looks like it could be a decent game, the start of maybe a career that starts working out, I pick him up and give him a shot. But I also churn the bottom of my roster a bunch. Yeah. And I also think I, I think part of that too, Matt, not not to be too disrespectful to your team, but you often have the first, second, or third pick in the waiver wire. It's a little well, harder last to year, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little harder to pick up guys when you're mm-hmm. in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth position on the waiver wire. Sure. I was just, I mean, it, so you you're filling out positions on your roster, but I mean, you haven't found that you're finding studs doing that, right? I mean, you're drafting the best running backs, and most of the guys you're picking up off the waiver are, yeah. I mean, yeah, in filler. a fourteen team league where we roster twenty four players, the waiver wire is thin, man. I mean, like last year because I was lucky enough to have an awful week one, which is a weird thing to say. Yes. Um, but I was, I was lucky enough to have an awful week one. So I was able to get Philip Lindsay, who I later flipped for a first. So like, like value can be found in free agency, but in a 14 team league where we roster 24 players, it's pretty thin pickings most of the time. That's to me, the, the position to get on waivers in that position is wide receiver. Cause then you're seeing guys develop that may have been cut off rosters or, yeah. or, Picking in their second year. I, that's why I don't chase. I mean, I'm, if I need a running back, I'll look for one. And like you've done good with picking up, finding a couple of, of serviceable guys who mm-hmm. can contribute. But I definitely feel like waiver wires were the wide receivers. You can find wide receivers because there's so much development. Guys who are later round picks in the NFL. But all right, let's move on to your cuts. I mean, I'm cutting Javorius Allen, Alex Collins. Neither of them are in the league anymore. Uh, Elijah McGuire is looking like the running back three, maybe four at the Jets. Uh, Wendell Smallwood is looking like the running back four, maybe five at Philly. Rod Smith probably can't hold on to. Jeffrey Wilson is like the fifth running back at San Francisco. Isaiah McKenzie is, you know, at least a wide receiver. Who's He, he is certainly a football player. He's in the um, league. <laughs> Tajay Sharp, they went out and drafted a really good wide receiver. And who's the other guy? Who am I missing? Oh, Chad Williams. Same deal. They drafted a bunch of wide receivers. I, I'm, I'd be surprised if he makes the team. I, I, I thought they actually released him. Uh, they might have. He's not listed as a free agent here, but uh, either way, I'm cutting him. I, I believe I saw news that uh, Arizona released him. Yeah. That Chad Williams is gone. Arizona yeah. did get a lot of wide receivers this year, so there's going to be some guys getting left <laughs> off that roster soon. And then, uh, and then they didn't think they had enough, so they went out and signed another. <laughs> and, well, they weren't like what they were seeing from Chad Williams, evidently. Well, so you're getting rid of mostly that's a, most of the running back stuff. You're thinning out, and then a couple of wide receivers. I mean, yeah, um, I'm just I'm just dropping trash garbage players. Yeah, and, and you're set at quarterback. You have Andy Dalton and Deshaun Watson. I know hard three. to be better than Andy Dalton. All right, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good that's a good way to just thin out your roster. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see where I'm at on mine. So we'll start with QB. So I have three quarterbacks. I have Josh Allen, Kyle Loletta, and Aaron Rodgers. 
obviously I'm cutting Kyle Oletta because at best it looks like he's going to be a backup in his career. And I don't see that that serves a purpose on my roster. So I've got two solid QBs that are starters. So I'm going to just stick with them. Here's where we run into the part where I get stuck. I've got 30, so I have to cut six players. So I've got Kalen Balaj, Darius Geis, David Johnson, Bryce Love, Ty Montgomery, Samarje P. Ryan, and Chris Warren. I'm going to cut Chris Warren. I'm going to cut Samarje P. Ryan. I don't, I initially went into the season saying I'm cutting Ty Montgomery, but Ty Montgomery has been looking. Nice in the preseason. Oh, yeah. And he it obviously, looks like he's won the backup job to uh, yeah. Le'Veon Bell. Which is nice. Now, of course, that's Le'Veon Bell. And I'm not enamored with having a backup. But if Bell were to somehow get injured, that would give me a starter. I don't know that I'd ever play Montgomery. But I don't know. I haven't liked how David Johnson's looked in preseason so far. The Arizona offense hasn't exactly. Um, yeah, I, I haven't liked how their offensive lines looked. It's Well, it was terrible last year. And they did nothing mm-hmm. to fix it in the offseason. Hey, terrible but they drafted three receivers. <laughs> but the, yes, so they're deci- they're the way that that uh, they decided to go in and fix their offensive line was to draft more receivers. That's always a winning maneuver in the NFL. Um, Caitlin Balazs is looking okay. Their line the other night against Jacksonville got completely run over. Every time Balazs got the football, he'd take a step or two and just got totally ate up. I couldn't even blame Balazs for that. I didn't see him do anything. Real- I mean, I I thought he does some nice cutbacks, but there's no holes. That team's just. And the Jacksonville, I don't know if their defense is going to be really good this year, but they were their safeties were up at the line of scrimmage. So Bellagio take two steps in the hole, and the safety was making the stop in the hole. I was like, that's um, insane. I'm okay, so I, that leaves me. I'm down. I've cut three out of my six, and now I'm in. I'm basically talking about my where I don't know what to do now, but not don't know what to do now, but don't know where my next player is going to come from. My sixth cut, but moving on to wide receiver, I've got Devonte Adams. Um, got to keep him. So then, you know, I've got uh, Kelvin Benjamin, obviously not in the league. He's out. Um, I'm looking at cutting Alan Hearns. He's he's had one big season, um, I think his rookie year, and he's never or second season in the league. And he's just really fallen off after that. And I, you know, watching him the other night, Miami's bad. I don't want to use him as a roster spot. So now I've cut, what have I cut? Five. So I've got to cut my sixth one. Probably Marcel Aitman. I was kind of interested in him in Oakland, but he's not doing too much there. So everyone else on my roster, I'm pretty happy with. I think all of them are going to make teams. I think they're all going to have an opportunity. A lot of wide receivers. You know, I've got four tight ends. Conklin's exciting. I'm not sure. He's kind of buried on that chart. There's a lot of tight ends in Minnesota. Uh, I've got George Kittle. I've got Jordan Reed. I've got Delaney Walker. All, All keepers for me. So, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward cuts, I think, for most people in the league at this time of year. The toughest one for me is just seeing, you know, cutting down like uh, eight minute wide receiver, you know, because I'm going to I'm going to let go of a young wide receiver versus because I just want to keep the depth of Ty Montgomery. You know, I'm going to keep a guy like Bryce Love, who's not going to play this year, or may play very little just because I he has that potential. So I'm going to ride out and see what happens with him. And you're also going to keep Darius Slayton instead of Marcel Aitman. Uh, that's the way it's looking right now. I mean, I, you know, I really, you know, Aitman's interesting and I'm not opposed to the idea of keeping Aitman. I just, I don't know. I I don't, he's buried too deep on that roster to, I'm really concerned. He's never going to get enough run to develop. And Slayton on that thin giants wide receiver core has a chance to get up there 
and at least play enough where he starts becoming a better receiver and learning the league more. Yeah, I agree. I agree with every one of your cuts. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward on my roster for the most part. I was, I was initially going to keep Aitman and cut Montgomery, but I, as the seasons, as everything's gone on into the season, that's just changed. No, I, I like keeping Montgomery. I've, I've read that there may even be a little bit of running back by committee with Montgomery and Bell. And I don't know if that does anything for me. I don't. I, I. I would love never to use him. I would love to just do the David Johnson, Darius guys, Caitlin Balage, threesome all season, and have those guys be number ones or you know really high number two ranked running backs and and play them every week. But you know injuries can happen to all three of those or at least two of them or you know they could just all flounder at some point and I could just be stuck stuck having to play a Ty Montgomery and getting the points I can get out of it. So, yeah, that sounds like our cuts, and we're all pretty straightforward. Everybody's cutting just chaff. It's pretty straightforward in Dynasty this year for most people. It's not too hard. The one thing I would like to touch on as for everyone in the league, and I think we could all talk about this. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and I think it'd be interesting. I think for most people it might be beneficial in Dynasty to just basically get your cuts out there and, and throw out the potential for trades. Since we're cutting players, and if someone wants to bypass the waiver process and hey, I'll give you a fifth-round pick for a player. I think that would be beneficial to everyone involved. I do that every year. I don't think a lot of people take enough advantage of that. I think that needs to be something a little more actively um, pursued by everyone in our league and everyone in any dynasty league. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking with uh, offering you Rod Smith, actually. (laughs) No, no, no. I know, like, it's laughable and everything, but I, like, forgot about... uh, I honestly forgot about Wayne Gallman because he wasn't playing that preseason game. And I made the offer while watching Rod Smith look good in a preseason game. And I'm like, oh, okay, he might be a backup. Maybe John wants him for a late-round pick or something. I shot a little high with it there. I mean, I, but I think that's good for everybody. I think that's good for every. Now, it does, you know, Star Riders wouldn't be too happy to hear that because he has, you know, as the first waiver wire pick before the season starts, he gets, you know. Pick of the litter. Oh, Yeah. That's got to well, be. I mean, a there's uh, there's waiver targets out there that I think are going to be better than probably anybody that gets cut. Yeah, there certainly are. It'll be interesting. So why don't we take a moment and talk about Andrew Luck? Let's look at and let's discuss the player in our league and how it affects his roster. But yeah, Andrew Luck. So first off, biggest news probably in the history of recent memory for sure. I mean, I've seen articles comparing. Uh, his retirement to others, but he's really the the best player at his position, the youngest player. Quarterbacks play late into their careers, right? I have heard, and I'd like to hear your guys' opinion on this, that this is a strategy from Luck to just get out of the media spotlight, get out of the, when are you going to be back? When are you going to be healthy? When are you going to be ready? He could take two years off and get healthy and then unretire easily and play another 10 years. That's, that's possible. It's a little tinfoil hatty for me. Like when you watch the guy talk, it, it looks like he really does want to step away from the game. He wants to go out and live his life, spend the millions he's acquired. That's it, what they say until they're out of the league for a while. And then how many times have you seen it? Percy Harvin wants to come back and play again. You know, how many times have you seen it where somebody retires and then they want to come back? Jason Witten, for example. Okay, well, I'm going to agree and disagree with you on this one, John. 
I think that the possibility is that he retires now and sits out for a year or two and starts feeling better and says, I want to play again. Exactly. Um, but I don't think he's consciously retiring. I don't think it's a because, strategy. No, I don't think it's a strategy. I think it's just a byproduct. I was kind of with you. I thought, man, this guy's he's just frustrated right now. I reached out to the um, Andrew Lux owner in our league. And I said, hey, you want to make a trade? I mean, I'll give you a fifth-round pick for him right now. I'll, I'll sit and hold on to him on my roster just to see what happens. He might do that. And and I that's not a bad maneuver on his part. Um, but th- he's a he's a highly intelligent person. He's um, He went to Stanford. He's got a degree in, like, architectural design. He has other opportunities in life. And he's not someone – he's probably well-invested with his money. I think a lot of players leave and come back and go, oops, I, uh, I got broke in two years. I didn't realize my lifestyle needed to change. Uh, he did just recently get married, and he is expecting his first child. And he might be looking at – you know, uh, there's a possibility he's just looking at his future going, I want to be able to play with my kids in, in five or ten years and not be hobbling around. They ran down the list of injuries he sustained in his career, and I did oh, not realize disgusting. how bad. It's mm-hmm. terrible. It's really gross. I know he's also said that he, he wants to travel the world with his wife, mm-hmm. just spend some time being done and being himself. Yeah. Football's demanding at the NFL level. There's no <laughs> Off-season is not an off-season. You never really you can totally... I mean, you get more time than that, but theoretically you don't because you have to continue training. Because you, you got to keep training. Mm-hmm. You cannot let your body slip into a position of down. I think there's a possibility, though, that he does stay away for a year or two and then thinks to himself, I want my kids to see me play. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's what definitely I'm saying. possible. I, I'm not saying it's a strategy. I'm just okay. saying it's, it's a possibility that he unretires at some point. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean for the Bulldogs does he hold on to luck at this point, or does he drop him? Does he trade him? And hold and, him, and hold what, him if you got roster spot? And what, what does that do for the rest of of the Colts? Like, let's oh, talk yeah. about uh, Marlon Mack. <laughs> let's talk about T. Y. Hilton, mm-hmm. uh, Paris Campbell. Jacoby Brissett's been pretty good in backup duty at that team. Not great, but he's sure. been. They've kept him for a while, and he's. He's actually entering the fourth year of his career. In his second year of his career, he had uh, 3,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Not great. 13 touchdown is the uh, is the brutal thing. Yeah, but second year player and mm-hmm. not a not a guy who's highly drafted. He's a third round pick. You know that that and he's playing behind Andrew Luck, and that's a developmental thing for some guys. He does have four rushing touchdowns, which help, but three fumbles. He could be a very serviceable quarterback for that team going forward. And the nice part about uh, you know. There's been a lot of discussion, especially in Dallas. I listen to a lot of Dallas local sports talk about Zeke Elliott. How much do you pay a player? How does that impact the rest of your team? Dak Prescott, you know, do, do you want to have, you know, having a top tier quarterback that takes up $35 million in roster, is that beneficial if you could have a guy, say, Jacoby Brissett, who has really nice numbers and you pay him 15 to $20 million a year, and then you flesh out the rest of your roster and keep better talent around him? For fantasy football, I, I mean, the, if they go forward with Brissett, the, the team owner has him on his team, and he's got Baker Mayfield, he could be fine for the next few years and just ride out the luck thing and see what happens. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. fine. Yeah, and he's, got, he's got Baker, so he's going to be okay. Baker yeah. is definitely a serviceable starter. And for the rest of the team, I think T.Y. Hilton is fine. I think Brissett is going to be quick on his progressions. So he's going to go to his number one receiver more often than Andrew Luck might have. So I think that hurts Paris Campbell. 
I think Marlon Mack is still going to be fine. The only real issue is they may not be moving the ball as much, so they may not have as many touchdown opportunities. But I think that there's going to be a lot of quick passes out of the backfield to Marlon Mack, and uh, I think he'll be fine. But I would stay away from everyone else on that roster other than Brissett if you needed a backup. T.Y. Hilton, I think he's going to be fine. Marlon Mack maybe took a little bit of a hit, but I still think he's going to be fine. So maybe you were talking like a 10 to 15% drop in overall production for anybody on that roster this season? I'm not sure T.Y. Hilton will even see a a drop. Yeah, just because of the uptick he's going to get because Brissett is going to look for him. You know, he's he's the first guy in the progression. But everybody else may see a drop. Like Everybody else. Yeah, so Eric Ebron's probably going to have the season he had last year. Eric Ebron, he, he is tanked. Well, he may not be tanked. Tight ends, if a tight end runs a good route, a tight end in the NFL tends to use that guy in the flat more, the, the running back coming out of the flat more than they ever have. Tight end used to be kind of a safety blanket kind of thing for quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, the same. I think first off, he's due for touchdown regression. He had, he had what, 13 touchdowns last year? And uh, crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. crazy season. It, 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 so I think he's due for touchdown regression. And then I believe that Brissett is not going to be throwing to him the way that Andrew Luck did. So I I still think he'll be serviceable. I just I believe that Eric Ebron will not be a tight end one at the end of this year. Interesting. I, no, I agree with that 100%. I, I honestly agreed with that while Luck was still there. I think he could be a tight end one, but it may be a low end tight end. Well, one. yeah, I mean, in yeah, tight ends fall off so you know yeah. badly after a certain yeah that, but he he's going to be a lower end tight end one. Yeah, he's gonna, he's going to be a tight end in the tier of tight ends that are indistinguishable. I think he may be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I could see that. I mean, if he's really the talent they thought he was when he first came out, and he's all of a sudden developed into that, then it's a different situation. But if he's just a product of Andrew Luck having a great year last year, you know, really a rebound year for luck before he retired, then yeah, you'll see a, a pretty decent, maybe even a halving of his, you know, overall stats. Other thing that is, this one's kind of affects Matt. What do you feel about the injury that occurred last night to Lamar Miller? And how does that uh, affect the Houston, Houston team going forward? As a Texans fan, as a yeah. Texans fan, I'm not a fan of it. As a Deshaun Watson slash DeAndre Hopkins owner, I don't know that it hurts me. Their their best running back now becomes Duke Johnson, who's a pass catching back he's pretty, all the he's way. Pretty he's serviceable. Yeah, he's, he's not basically this is a, a slot terrible. receiver. So I I feel like it could honestly end up helping Deshaun, just because I feel like it's going to force us into more us passing game scripts. Look, man, I like the Texans. You get a mouse in your pocket. You got a Texan mouse in your pocket. <laughs> I think it's likely that they bring in somebody else. I don't think they can count on Duke Johnson to be the only running back. Uh-huh. Well, he's never carried a workload like that in the NFL. Yeah. Ajay Ajayi is a possibility. Someone like that. Some of the running backs that have been cut, like a Doug Martin or someone. I don't know. Ajay Ajayi is the most uh, enticing option where we don't have to spend money or draft picks. But you got to remember... Uh, <laughs> The we thing I'm is just killing me. Keep owning it, and I'm going to keep mocking you. That's, That's okay. Fine. But the Texans gave up a fourth-round draft pick, which could be a third and now probably will be, for Duke Johnson. So I mm-hmm. feel like he's honestly going to be the guy with Lamar Miller not there, more more so than anybody else. We'll probably bring in somebody to lighten the workload a little bit, or maybe we'll ride with the uh, the undrafted free agents. 
But that's what I think of the Lamar Miller injury. I don't think it hurts Deshaun very much for fantasy, very much at all. Okay, and you, you're more plugged into the Texans than I am. I haven't heard it floated out. Somebody like go out and get somebody like Adrian Peterson or Melvin Gordon, since Melvin Gordon's crossways, see if they can. Mm-hmm. Try the, the problem. The the problem with Melvin Gordon is that he's in such a let's just say disputed contract dispute. Yeah. So. I don't think that Bill O'Brien is going to be able to maneuver that type of contract. They don't have a GM in Houston right now. So it's Bill O'Brien making these trades, right? Yeah, yeah. But they did and make a move. They have made moves in the offseason. They've with made some moves, but nothing nothing to the extent of trying to satisfy a Melvin Gordon who's getting ready to sit out because he's not getting paid, you know, top five running back or whatever it is. I don't see Melvin Gordon as an opportunity. I do see, um, you know, somebody else coming in like a Jay Ajayi or even some of these other guys that might even be uh, free agents. I just don't see a a higher end running back coming in, especially when Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson is really good. And the only real issue with Duke Johnson is, can he carry that workload? He's never carried that workload. I think the most carries he's ever had was 170. Making a move to bring someone of a like a Matt Breida type in to split that workload with them. Somebody who's really I, solid won't cost them a lot. That it gives them some op- some options. I think they're missing Alfred Blue right now. I, I wish you know, <laughs> that was brought up and and roundly mocked when I heard the discussion about this. Yes, yes. no one's ever missed Alfred Blue. <laughs> yes, but they got Demara uh, Demare Crockett. That that's going to do it right there. Crockett, yeah. Tyler Higdon. Is a free agent pickup yeah, after the both draft. Both undrafted free agents. Um, yeah, that's really so. That's the problem is they're down to Duke Johnson, and they probably really need some other kind of experience running back assistance back there. I, Unless they got a guy they really like. Unless there's a guy they're like, oh my god, we can't believe this guy picked up this guy as a undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. Which maybe I don't know. Crockett's looked okay in the preseason. Nothing that's going to blow you away. I just think it's unlikely they trade for another running back when they already traded a relatively high draft pick for a running back. Well, what about a situation? I mean, San Francisco's got a three-headed monster out there. I mean, there's a potential somebody like Burrito. I mean, I would think that would be an excellent, even for San Francisco, that would be an excellent opportunity for you to move a player. Yeah, but what? depending on what they give up. You know, and running backs are so undervalued. I mean, we look at them from a fantasy football perspective, from an NFL perspective. I, they were talking about that with like trading Zeke. Like yeah. nobody's going to give you like Melvin Gordon. I think he was taken in the first round, right? No one's going to give you a first round pick for him at this point. As good as he is, the big contract that comes yeah. with him makes that punitive for other teams. So it makes him hard for San Diego to trade. Mm-hmm. Well, but th- let's. That's why with them already having spent basically a third round pick on it this season, I don't think it's likely to happen more. Uh, running backs just aren't that valuable. Now, the the one the other guy that they brought up that I could see being traded is like an Adrian Peterson. If if guys maybe yeah if guys it's like three for a seven games, yeah if guy or or just a who knows a player to be you know some other player on the team or something a wide receiver we know Washington hey, probably yeah maybe Kiki Kuti <laughs> is expendable they send him to Washington they need to have to compete with uh, Trey Quinn it'd be impossible for him. Watch out for Desperados this year. That's what I'm saying. He's rated high. You're very you're high on Desperados, and the rating system is very high on Desperados. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. He's got a solid roster. He's made some moves in the offseason that have really bolstered his uh, bolstered his team. It's going to be tough for me to beat him. 
Can what? So you were third. So can you go from third to first? Can you pull that maneuver off in one well, season? Maybe. I mean, I went from worst to third place to third worst. So now, if I just uh, complete the symmetry, I will go to best. Oh, as it, here, here's one that I wanted to throw out the other day. I was thinking about when we were walking in here. Um, the King Cobras, who's won the league a couple, our commissioner, who's won the league, um, won the regular season, won a title. His quarterback situation doesn't look nearly as exciting as it did. Going, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has looked kind of rough this preseason, and Cam Newton is. I'm starting to wonder if we're seeing the end of the road for Cam. He's taken a lot of injuries. His shoulders are. I realized watching the All or Nothing from Amazon last year, he's on like his fourth shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that that guy's career is maybe running towards a, a quicker end. Yeah, he's still got Matty Ice, which is so. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that guy looked like he had the, the number one, you know, QB, all I need to be said, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, he might have to start thinking about drafting a guy in the next and, few years. And the other guy who had the, uh, the perfect QB situation for Dynasty was uh, Andrew Luck Baker Mayfield. Oh yeah, yeah. He he was just rocking, and that's. I mean, oh, it, it's been a crashing down. It's been a little painful. I mean, at least he's got reset. But yeah, he went from looking like he might have two of the top five QBs to now he's maybe has one. You know, if if oh, Baker hopefully, may- well, probably has one. I mean, Baker's I, got a ton of weapons and a historically good rookie season. Historically good? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like compare him to other rookie quarterbacks. He did. He did amazing. For every yeah. ever, yeah, really? I think so. But yeah, B- Baker's uh, had the most touchdowns by a rookie quarterback. That is a okay. historic good season. Okay, all right, I'll give you that one. No, I, I think Baker Mayfield's a nice quarterback. I'm not anti Baker. I'm just a little surprised that Baker and especially Carson Wentz get as much. Like they're going to be top five. I mean, top five is a pretty high ceiling in the NFL. I mean, that, mm-hmm. those guys are throwing for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and a few picks. And I, I don't know that Mayfield's going to be at that level. I think he's good. I understand he's got weapons, but, you know, you can have a lot of guns if you don't have the bullets. Yeah, and, and Baker, too, is uh, has potential for a sophomore slump. That could definitely hit him. Yeah, you don't With, know. The uh, team's having a year of tape on him. You don't know how that new coach is going to be, the offense, how they're going to mesh everybody. They've also got two really good running backs. You don't know how much those guys are going to be carrying the ball. But they also have two really good receivers, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dell and who else do they have? Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Landry's pretty good. Higgins looks like he's supposed to be the guy on my roster. Shard Higgins looks like he's going to be what the number three guy, which is mm-hmm. kind of surprising. I, I was ready to cut him going into the season with so many guys they picked up, but it looked like he might have nailed down a, a starting position and a you know on the team. He's been the best uh, preseason wide receiver for them, I would say. I like Odell. I, I think he can be a headache if if not. Yeah, so can Baker. They'll pair nicely. Yeah, but the QBs can be a headache. That's kind of their job to be the prima donna. That's that's part of like QB job description. And wide receivers want to be the QB and have that prima donna stuff, but it always causes a distraction. Well, thanks for joining us on this, our fourth podcast. It's been another uh, exciting, dynamic, excellent episode where we've discussed uh, many different things. Um, Hopefully going forward, we're going to start visiting with you guys on a regular basis and uh, maybe discussing weekly activities, uh, waiver possibilities, and players to look for. So, all right. I hope everyone's uh, fixing to be ready for the start of the season. They're going to make their cutdowns, and we're all excited to get going.